We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation. Happy Monday, everybody. We got another awesome week ahead of us. You got you to gotta speak it into existence and, and manifest the good week. Uh, I know not everyone's a, a fan of Mondays, but, but we're trying to change that here, uh, here on the Ducks Dish podcast. Uh, got a really special episode of the podcast for you guys today. Uh, as you can see by the title, we're going to be talking about what's next for Oregon when it comes to recording, recruiting a quarterback in the 2023 class. So definitely going to hit on that. But before that, we have a couple other things we want to talk about. Uh, some other duck-related news, some some pro ducks news, some some more recruiting tidbits. But before we get into all that, I am joined by Dylan Rubin King. He's a reporter for us at Ducks Digest, and he does a lot of these podcasts with me. Feels like it's been a little bit since we did one of these. How we doing, Rube? Doing pretty good. Yeah, it feels like the last two have been really like spaced out since we were doing them. It felt like a couple times a week. So it's nice to be back on here, and nice to see you back in, uh, you know, Eugene and cranking out the pods and all the all the good work you're doing. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's it's definitely always fun to hop on here with you, uh, and we got a bunch of fun stuff to talk about. So uh, if you guys are watching on YouTube at um, at Oregon Football Max Taurus, we are live. So if you guys are here, definitely go in the comments and uh, maybe throw some questions our way. Can't guarantee we'll get to everything, but um, we definitely want to try to get you guys involved with the show and, and uh, interact with you guys, the fans. And before we hit our first topic, we got a, a super chat from, from No Quarter Ty. So I have to give a shout out to, to him. He said, I'm your first and super chat. Go Ducks from Georgia. No quarter tie. Thanks so much for stopping by, man. Uh, good friend of the show. And uh, he's a regular here. So um, appreciate you, man. And uh, thank you to everyone else who's tuning in. You guys can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we're now on Stitcher. So just trying to grow that and, and uh, get it more available for you guys so you can tune into the Ducks Dish podcast wherever you're coming from. But on that note, let's get into our first story of the day. Everybody's favorite quarterback, Oregon quarterback, that is, Marcus Mariota has inked a two-year deal with the Atlanta Falcons. This comes on the heels of former, now former Atlanta Falcons quarterback, Matt Ryan, getting traded to the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, man, Dylan, this uh, this QB carousel with NFL free agency just keeps on churning. What, what are your some uh, some of your initial thoughts? 
Well, my first thought is I used to work at a sports store back in Olympia, Washington a few years ago. And one of my coworkers was a diehard Falcons fan and also a diehard Ducks fan. So I don't have this number anymore. Um, but I, I, I just thought of him like he's got to be the most psyched dude on the planet right now. Um, it just feels like it's been so long coming for the Falcons with Matt Ryan inevitably either like retiring, leaving, getting traded. Like, I feel like his name has just been in, you know, trade talks and stuff for years, for years and years, um, really since like his MVP year. Um, and I'm just super happy for, for Marcus to be able to, to finally get an opportunity to step in and be the starter. Um, I would still say, I think the Falcons might maybe take a quarterback, maybe not first round now, but probably at some point during the draft, um, just because, you know, just to get another young guy out there, I believe their only other quarterbacks are Josh Rosen and Felipe Franks. So not a ton of experience there. So it looks like as of right now, Mariota's job um, as the starter is secure for the most part. But uh, yeah, I'm super excited to see him, you know, get a deal like this and get a deal with a quarterback needy team to where he could come in and contribute right away. And you like that he's got some familiarity for once with an offensive coordinator, given that he had, I think, four different offensive coordinators in five years with with Tennessee and uh, Arthur Smith is the head coach now. So he'll have um, I, I don't I'm not 100 percent sure who calls the plays with Atlanta. Um, I, I know their um, you know offense was pretty pass heavy for the last few years with Matt Ryan. So, you know, maybe they can get Mariota, you know, keeping him mobile like what he's been so successful at throughout his career felt like in Tennessee, he was kind of limited um, with, with his legs. They were trying to make him into a pocket passer, which is not necessarily his strength. So hopefully this opens a new door for his career to, you know, kind of revitalize himself and let people know that he's still worthy of a starting job in the NFL. It's definitely refreshing to see him get that shot. Uh, you know, he's not going to get handed the job, but you just look at every, all the, pieces that are in place and how these quarterbacks have, have moved around the NFL. And this is probably the best situation for him uh, to, to get that starting job. When you look at the situation in Las Vegas with Derek Carr being firmly entrenched as the starter and then reuniting with Devontae Adams. I know that you're my resident Packer fan uh, along with a couple of our other uh, writers at, at Ducks Digest. So I don't want to, don't want to put any salt in that wound. I guess I kind of just did by mentioning it a little <laughs> bit. So I don't want to put too much salt in that wound. But as for the, the situation that Marcus finds himself going into, uh, I don't think it's the best situation. If you're just looking at Atlanta and the pieces that they have, they re-signed Cordero Patterson, who I think really overachieved last year. I think he did a lot better than a lot of people were maybe expecting. Obviously Kyle Pitts had a pretty solid rookie year and he's looking like the number one option right now in the passing attack with Calvin Ridley getting suspended for a whole year. Uh, I believe that was for for betting on games, uh, if, if I'm remembering that correctly, um, which is just it's, it's, it's things to see that because he was he was out all of almost all of last year. I want to say, um, you know, he, he took a step back from for, I believe, for for mental health reasons. And, you know, you can never slide a guy for that. But to, to see his next year get, a you know, taken away with a suspension is is just tough. But um, that's kind of the weapons that we're looking at with, for Marcus. I don't remember Atlanta having a particularly strong offensive line, uh, but you know, a starting job is a starting job. So you gotta, you gotta be happy for him there. And, and uh, much like we saw with, with Marcus uh, during his Tennessee days and pro career so far with all these different OCs and everything, it just makes me think about how when Justin Herbert was at Oregon, he had a lot of different OCs as well, because 
uh, we had Taggart here, and then Mario came in, and there was Arroyo. So a little bit of a little bit of uh, these Oregon quarterbacks searching for some continuity. Absolutely, and I think one thing I really want to see them do is to build some more weapons because Kyle Pitts had a thousand yards as um, as a rookie tight end, which you don't hear about that in the NFL. Um, I think it was a single season rookie record, if I'm not mistaken, for an NFL tight end. Um, and their receivers, though, are just they just don't have the experience. Um, you know, I, I think their top receiver coming back, I believe, other than Cordero Patterson, is Olamide Zacchaeus, Um, because Russell Gage went to Tampa Bay. Calvin Ridley, you mentioned, got suspended. They have the eighth pick in the draft, um, and then they have a couple second round picks. I would expect them to go after some wide receivers for Marcus, um, maybe a pick along the offensive line. I don't think it was necessarily a strong suit either. Um, not going to lie. I, I didn't watch the Falcons too intently. Um, Dude, you know, come last on. Season. So come on. yeah, there's honestly better things I would have, you know, rather have done with my time on a Sunday. Um, they were not very good, but I, I think that there's some pieces for, for success more so than um, obviously what he had in Las Vegas. Um, you know, it, it was cool that second year he was there to see him get used in some short yardage packages, some red zone packages as a runner. Um, and obviously that that game against the Chargers in 2020 where he got to go up against Justin Herbert was like the Oregon football Super Bowl um, for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a, a really good fit for him. I would have probably liked to see him go to a Pittsburgh or even in Indianapolis. I know Tampa Bay was getting thrown around when Brady was retired for all but 40 days, but, um, you know, things, things have changed since then. And, um, you know, Matt Ryan got traded to the Colts. So this really seemed like kind of the last fit for him. Um, you know, maybe Seattle was another one. I just think Seattle was, you know, they're on the way down. I don't, I would not have liked to have seen Mario to go to Seattle just because I felt like it would have been a similar situation to his last couple of years in Tennessee. So I'm happy with this fit. I think he'll, he'll find some, uh, success in Atlanta to talk about Seattle for a second here because at being an Oregon site a lot of our an Oregon podcast a lot of our uh fans and audience listeners are Seahawks fans is Oops. Baker going to be going to Seattle who knows I mean he, he's going to be traded but to to just put a kind of wrap this up with with Marcus uh, a name that I recognized on the Falcons roster for wideouts is Chad Henson the former mm-hmm. Cal receiver so his name stuck out, but not terribly deep uh, as far as receivers go out there in Atlanta. I'm going to try to draft some offensive weapons, somebody for Mariota or whoever wins that job to to pass to. But um, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Oh, man, it's just totally escaping me. Hold on. Um, wow. I think that might – oh, oh, that's what it was. Sorry. Um. Before this trade, I think I, I had heard some some rumors or seen some tweets and stuff on social media about the Falcons maybe taking Malik Willis and then mm-hmm. having him develop behind Matt Ryan for a year. But obviously that won't be happening now. And a lot of people are going to have to kind of, you know, refresh their their draft news. So I'm getting really excited for draft season. I'm trying to follow a lot of it, especially with with KT and a couple other ducks firmly in the conversation to to get drafted. But that's kind of the, the the story we wanted to start out with here. Is there anything else you wanted to add on on Marcus to Atlanta? Yeah, just if you haven't seen it already, go check out my story I had on on the Ducks Digest website on the Mariota news. Um, put a little couple nuggets in there for for anybody that's interested. 
See, that's one of the things that I think makes you a really unique writer, Dylan. And I don't think that uh, you get appreciated for it enough is I'll be editing your stories and I'll just be like asking myself, where did he find this like random fact or, um, you know, just things that I never knew. So I think that's really cool. And, and I think it shows the, the extra effort that you put into some of these stories. Appreciate that. Of course. All right. Marcus Mariota will be playing for the Atlanta Falcons in 2022. That's our first story of the day. And then there's a, a another super chat I wanted to bring up here. This one's from Christopher. Christopher, appreciate you, man. For Max's <laughs> internet, because it's horrible at times. Also, glad to see Marcus get another shot. And let's go, Ty. Uh, I think he's talking about Ty with the, the other super chat before that. So, yeah, my it's no secret my internet isn't the best. Um, <laughs> and I sincerely apologize for that. I'll have you know that I'm on Ethernet right now. But sometimes when I go... Uh, on the road i don't always have access to ethernet so i'm doing everything i can and then hopefully whatever my next spot is as far as living goes we will have some some strong ethernet um i looked into fiber because i think that was uh that was brought up in one of the previous live streams but i think they only do fight like google fiber in like really big cities mm. and uh eugene is not one of those <laughs> so <laughs> we, we're doing everything that we can but uh, thank you so much, Christopher. Appreciate your support, man, and, and glad to have you here as a, another regular of the show. Let's move on to our second story of the day. 2022 five-star offensive lineman Josh Connerly out of Rainier Beach in Seattle has set his commitment date. He will be announcing his commitment on April 8th. Let's see if we have some more details there um, as far as, you know, when that's going to be happening. I believe I saw it was going to be on CBS Sports HQ at uh, 9 o'clock Eastern. So that's 6 p.m. for us folks out here on the West Coast. Let's see here. Um, I'm going to get these highlights up so we can talk about Connerly a little bit. Just bear with me here while I manage all the elements on my screen. All right. There we go. Share screen. Oh my gosh. Why is it always trying to to reset this for me? All right. I get some elevator music for you while we're uh while we're getting set up here. Just to keep I'm sorry, no. I'm trying trying <laughs> not to. It's for some stupid reason it's saying that streamer doesn't have uh screen sharing permissions. That's okay. We don't need it. But let's just talk about Josh Connerly because that's really the the main target that's left on board for the Ducks here in the 2022 recruiting class. Like I said, highly tattered offensive lineman out of the Pacific Northwest. So you got to figure that that makes him even more of a priority for the Ducks because he's one of the best targets that's closer to home for the Ducks. With with Oregon, there's, there's not as many high-level prospects on our year-in, year-out basis, but Washington in particular, the Seattle area has, has really started to, to pump out some high profile recruits. You look at Emeka Egbuka recently, JT Tuamaloau, both of those guys are at Ohio state after coming out of the state of Washington, but to kind of set the stage here for Connerly a little bit more, he was recently in Eugene for his official visit at the beginning of the month at that same weekend, they brought in Levius Overton, Micaiah Overton, some uh, really highly regarded defensive linemen that the Ducks are trying to add here. This cycle after LT Overton reclassified to 2023. And then for Connerly, he's working from a top six as he goes and works towards this decision coming up here on April 8th, like I mentioned. And let's see, the, the those schools in the top six for Connerly are 
Washington, Oklahoma, Oregon, Michigan, USC, and Miami. So lots of pretty talented schools in the running here. What, what are some of your thoughts as far as uh, maybe Oregon's chances in this commitment uh, and this recruitment or just any of your thoughts on Connerly? Yeah, I think just being able to keep establishing your your footing, especially as a new head coaching staff in the Pacific Northwest um, is huge. They've already done a really good job keeping some of those California and Washington guys, Dave Bewley specifically home um, in Eugene per se. But Connerly is one of those guys that I just felt like, um, you know, I, I like that they were able to get the visit when they did with so much talent there. It really showed that they they mean business in his recruitment. They haven't given up despite the coaching change. So I like that they're still in on him and he appears, um, you know, to be considering them at least. But I think that I've always kind of leaned towards USC in this in this battle. And the fact that they get the the last visit, I believe, um, is, is kind of just um, I think a testament to what they've been able to do in his recruitment. And I think they really need the some of that beef in the trenches. Um, but it, this this kind of reminds me of the battle of JT2 Maloa, where it was one last 2021 guy and we're waiting for, you know, him to make his decision. Connerly, I believe he said he was going to make it a bit earlier in, in 2022. And then, you know, started taking some visits and he plays basketball as well. And, you know, and now he finally announced April 8th and, it feels like a lot of people are saying different schools. I've seen some people say, well, they think Miami might be a leader. They think, um, you know, Michigan might be a leader. Different people hear different things. I feel like this is going to be a really tough battle for Oregon, but I like the, you know, what I've heard from other guys, especially along the offensive line with Dillingham and Adrian Clem. It seems like those guys are phenomenal recruiters, phenomenal coaches. I like Oregon's chances. I just think it's going to be an uphill battle against some of those top tier programs. Yeah, for, for USC, I think if you're looking at them in this recruitment and kind of where they're coming from, Lincoln Riley's going to be able to get those skill guys, those running backs, those receivers. Look at Malachi Nelson. He basically committed to USC before Lincoln Riley got the job. Not actually, but that was how fast it was. And he's got to realize that staff has to realize that building inside out is something that they're going to have to do. The, the trench play just has not been up to par uh, of late. And they have some pretty talented guys there. If you look at Corey Foreman, he was the top player in the country in 2021. Huge, huge get for them to be able to keep him home in the recruiting battle. And Michigan was was definitely someone that I was hearing about a while ago. But it seems like this is really shaping up to be a two-team battle. He did get out to Oklahoma and Miami. You look at Mario Cristobal and, and Alex Mirabal, they obviously had that previous relationship with Connerly from their time at Oregon. But... I also think a guy that we have to consider here is Josh Henson, the new offensive coordinator and offensive line coach out there in LA. He's, he's a, uh, I think he's, he's really a quality recruiter. If you, if you consider what he did at AM and uh, being able to bring him over AM signed the top class in, in a two, four, seven sports history. I think it was this most recent year. And, and Josh Henson's a guy that, it's going to be a huge piece of, of this Lincoln Riley staff. So you got to figure that he's, he's been doing his, his thing and, and he's a talented recruiter in his own right. So that's kind of what I wanted to say about, about USC. You just got to think that playing for someone who is a proven offensive mind in Lincoln Riley certainly has its appeal, but for the ducks, Adrian Clem is also a guy who 
who has a good track record from his time at UCLA and then working at the NFL level. I think that's something that a lot of these guys want in their recruitment. They want to be sold. Sure. There's a bunch of different factors, the facilities, NIL is obviously a huge thing in recruiting overall. I'm not saying so much so in Connerly's case, but at the end of the day, Dylan, these guys wanted to go to the league. Like that's really what I think a lot of people are focused on. It's not so much the national championships. It's not so much the the glamour of college football. They want to get to the league at the end of the day. And I think if you have a guy that has a lot of NFL experience like Clem does, and he knows how recruiting works, I think that I got to give the Ducks a pretty decent shot here. And the other thing that I wanted to mention was how um, was how Lanning and his staff have prioritized building relationships with schools in the Pacific Northwest with, you know, trainers and, and seven on seven programs as well. I know that uh, Lanning, uh, I think he had a dinner with Tracy Ford, who is a team for uh, Ford sports performance uh, founder. So it's just a lot of different pieces here are, are at play. And, and I feel like even though it's a top six, it really feels like to me, like all signs are pointing to Oregon versus USC in this one. Once it finally comes to a decision. Well, I think his top six is a really smart top six for him if he wants to get to the league, if that is a priority, just because a lot of these schools have really produced really top, you know, talented and high level offensive linemen the last few years. Um, you think about Michigan last year won the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country. And I think, honestly, the USC offensive line thing, I think they their offensive line was really underrated last year. I thought they were, you know, a really good group working with, you know, the, the off on quarterback battles with, with Slovis and Dart, there is a, a bit of an overhaul there, like you said, with the coach. And um, I believe there are a couple of new faces that are going to be starting along the offensive line for them. But I really think that he can't really go wrong here with whoever he chooses. He's gotten to visit, I think most, if not all of these schools. Um, but I think USC is, is a really good choice for him. Um, I think Washington is one of those that is kind of in the back of my mind that, you know, it's the hometown school that he's from, Rainier Beach. It's right there. Um, you know, he's gotten out there a few times. I, I, I think that's a, a school I wouldn't sleep on. But at the end of the day, if he wants to, if winning is a factor for him, not to slight any, I don't, there's not going to be any Washington fans here. We're Ducks Digest. Hey, you never know. Um, <laughs> They'll get here sometimes. You never know. But I think I, I, for him, I think the best choices would be an Oregon, a Michigan, or a USC, just because of their ability to get guys to the league and get guys um, to develop. I think, it, you know, a couple years as a starter and even Miami. I mean, we looked at Mario Cristobal and, and Alex Mirabal. You talked about them for a minute. A lot of the guys along Oregon's offensive line that are coming back are all, you know, products of, of them and what they've been able to do um, at Oregon. So I really think that when you look at everybody on this list, you can't really go wrong for him. Um, you know, but I think Oregon, if they were to get a guy like Connor Lee, that would that would be massive because they're going to be losing pretty much everybody after this upcoming season in 20 when you look at 2023 there's going to be a lot of new faces up there um and josh Connolly would be a, a prime candidate to be a starter and dylan maybe that's the last point that we can kind of put a bow on on this story for today with is the fact that oregon's offensive line is incredibly experienced this year but now we're kind of entering that point where how, how confident are you in the two deep? I mean, you're, you've got to be confident in that first that first group, but as far as rotational guys that came in last year heavily, you look at Stephen Jones and Justin Jaramillo. 
I figure that Jones is probably in a better spot for for a, a big piece of playing time, but Jared Miller is going to be right there with him all throughout spring ball, I would think. But aside from that, you got you don't have a lot of guys that have played a ton of football behind him. Logan Sagapolu transferred to Miami. He was a guy that was getting a ton of hype, not only from the coaching staff, but also from players. So even though he didn't play at Oregon, he was figuring to be a guy that could definitely be involved down the line. But to that point, you have a lot of young guys that are showing – a lot of promise as recruits. You look at Bram Walden, Jalen Jeffers, Faope Laulu. He's a huge guy. Uh, so, so he's these guys are going to be put in a position where they might have to play some some younger guys. And then you also have Jackson Powers Johnson, who's starting spring ball on the defensive line. But maybe they realize that I feel like the defensive line is probably the group that I'm almost I almost want to say the most confident about right now on the defensive side of the ball, just because of the transfers that have have been added the reinforcements that they got on the on the recruiting trail as well. But Connerly, to, just to get it back to him, I think that if you can add him, it'll really help kind of lessen the blow of all that attrition they saw at, along the offensive line in the 2022 recruiting class with Kelvin Banks, Cameron Williams, both going to Texas. But they were able to hang on to Michael Wooten and then ultimately get Dave Uley back in the fold. So, so you can't underscore the importance of keeping those guys. Yeah, and then I think once they bring him on, if they were to, to get Connerly and bring him on, it would be a pretty quick, um, you know, obviously I think it's better that he's committing in April than like JTT was in, I think it was early August. Um, so they could bring him in in the fall and he would be, you know, getting ready to go. But um, yeah, the, I think just being able to have a West Coast guy, a Washington guy at that, a guy that so many Washington fans have been saying, like he's a lot to go to Washington for, I don't know what, two years now. I feel like if they were to go into that state, into their backyard and get a guy like Josh Connerly, that would just be a big, big bragging right for Oregon over Washington of the many, it feels like, on the recruiting trail. No doubt about it. The, the Ducks have, have long been, I want to say at least, certainly since Chris Peterson left, the Ducks have been absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail con compared to the Huskies. But five-star offensive lineman Josh Connerly will be deciding between those six schools that we – talked about just before here he'll be deciding on april 8th for his commitment and we'll keep you guys up to date on that commitment i'm gonna do some more digging to see if i can get some intel on, on kind of how things are, are looking with him in that recruitment and we will get back into our main storyline for this episode of the ducks just podcast where oregon goes at the quarterback position in 2023 after a major recruiting domino fell earlier on monday morning Stick around with us. We'll be right back after the ad break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, we are back on the Ducks Just Podcast, and we have the main storyline that you guys all came for, I would think. Everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks, right? And we got a huge update in the 2022 cycle, sorry, 2023 cycle, not only for Oregon, but all of the college football recruiting world. Five-star Long Beach Poly quarterback, Nico Iamaliava, almost got tripped up there, has announced his commitment to the Tennessee Volunteers. This was a move that I think didn't surprise a ton of people, Dylan. You know, you, uh, you look at how often he's been to Knoxville, couple trips here in, in the past couple of months. The Ducks looked like they were in a great spot with him after that January visit. There were pictures of him in the in the Marcus Mariota, the pick jerseys. Those were super icy. I really liked those pictures. And they had Mateo Uyunglele on campus that weekend. They had a bunch of Polynesian players that were that were on campus that weekend. And the Ducks have really they have a huge Polynesian presence on their coaching staff and then also with players on the roster. So it, it kind of felt like things were, were falling into place for the Ducks here to to ultimately land Nico. And maybe I felt like it was going to be healing for Ducks fans after they didn't get DJU when he went ended up at Clemson back in the 2020 cycle. But, hey, you know, stuff happens. And uh, now the Ducks kind of got to pivot here. And, and that's kind of what we're going to we want to tackle and, and, and open that up here. The reason why you touched on it, the reason why I thought Oregon was in such a good place is because I have not seen any Oregon, you know, a guy going into Oregon and probably asking for and getting that Mariota jersey um, on the recruiting trail. I mean, I that was special. I that was like, hey, they're they're really after this guy. They really want this guy to to get what he wants on this visit to get out of it whatever he wants. And um, the fact that they gave him that uniform because um, I, I think Mariota was a guy that he definitely looked up to and um, you know, but the Tennessee visit, the Tennessee pictures and the quotes and stuff like that just exploded when he was there. Um, and the fact that he just loved it there. And I think Tennessee's on the, on the come up, you know um, their coaching staff has done a really good job kind of flipping the script for them, had a really solid year last year. And I think they're a program that's potentially going to make some noise in the SEC in the next couple of years. Um, but I think with him, he, he was one of those guys that, whatever Oregon did in their, in their cycle, you knew that it was going to come on the shoulders of what, wherever he went, because, you know, like we've talked about so many times, the, the class really, it comes down to the quarterback and, you know, building it around them, especially the offense for obvious reasons. So 
I think now they really have to pivot because I'm sure they put all their cards on the table with him, but this isn't necessarily a, a desperation move. It wasn't like him going to Tennessee is like, okay, now what do we do? Like, you know, we have to kind of start something from scratch here. I think they've got a good foundation already, which we'll get into. Yeah. And, and as far as Tennessee goes, I think they are one of the biggest brands in the sec, but they haven't really been playing like it for a long time now. I think the headline after the commitment today was it was the first five-star quarterback that they landed since 2002. So it, it makes sense because it's the SEC. But one other note that I wanted to have before we talked about the Oregon angle is just how much the recruiting dynamic has changed. You know, I, I don't want to talk too much about the whole NIL situation, but it's it's definitely worth touching on. Uh, I believe it was the Athletic had that story that came out. Uh, it didn't name any recruits in particular, but it was a five-star 2023 recruit. Uh, had reportedly um, been in talks about a deal with an NIL collective that would pay a, as as high as $8 million, I think it was. So if you guys want to find that that story, I'm going to see if I can find it and, and maybe put it in the chat. Um, let's see here. Just so you guys know what I'm referencing. Um, but there it is. So that's pretty crazy. And as far as just how the recruiting, we know that how, how big NIL is just in recruiting as a whole right now how it's really changing the dynamic with things. But I'm thinking back to when Relique Brown was visiting Oklahoma before he flipped to USC, they were like bringing cars out onto the field. And then I saw in Nico's commitment video, they had a, like a tricked out Mercedes that was just in the tunnel going to, to Tennessee. So I, I feel like a, a lot of, uh, I don't know, maybe older college football fans probably don't like seeing that. Um, and it's, it's just weird to see how it's, it's become kind of to a degree I'm not saying this is the final say for, for recruits, but it's really just become, you know, who can impress these guys on those visits the most. And it's, it's wild to see that cars are coming into play. We see uh, Lane Kiffin doing it with recruits too. I think he had pictures with Jackson dart uh, in some cars, if I remember that correctly. So that was wild. Yeah. Lane Kiffin's visit pictures where they're like in the car and they've got like shades on. It looks like an album cover from like the late nineties, early two thousands. That's my favorite thing ever. But anyway, um, I really think that the NIL is, is one of those things that's like, yeah, who's got the most luxury, who's got, you know, the room to, to offer some of these guys, these uh, crazy deals. Look at what Texas A&M did in 2022. Um, and you mentioned that some fans might not be the biggest, um, you know, advocates for it. Um, but I, here's my opinion on the NIL stuff just quickly. Um, I know we didn't want to touch on it too long, but I, I don't think you can blame some of these programs for taking advantage of what's legal to do. I mean, this is all legal to do now with the NIL era. Um, you know, Oregon's definitely going to get their, their feet wet with it, with the division street. I know a couple of recruits have talked to me about their interest in, you know, Nike and division street and Phil Knight. Um, you know, even before the NIL stuff, they were really interested in, and Nike and Phil Knight. Um, so I, I don't think you can blame these schools for, for going after guys with, you know, these cars and the money and the, the companies and the deals and stuff like that. Uh, you know, Tennessee went and did what was legal. And, um, you know, if that's, if that was about him, I think everybody assumed it was about Nico. Um, but of course, Nico is a crazy talented kid. He deserves to, you know, kind of be the face of a program. He's one of those guys that I think can change a program with with his skill and his talent um i think in my opinion he was the top quarterback in the in the 2023 class i don't think that's outlandish to say um but i think if if oregon really wants to you know try to find somebody other than nico now that he's off the board i think Jaden rashada as we're going to talk about is um you know the next top guy yeah and, and i 
I talked to some of Nico's coaches during his recruiting process before this happened. And, you know, they had nothing but good things to say about him just being an, an awesome young man. And that's the same vibe I get from the interviews that I've seen. Just, uh, just a guy who really carries himself well and, uh, you know, wish him nothing but the best. You, you see some people, Dylan, that, you know, really attack these recruits when they don't choose a certain school. So we got to remember that these are, these are, you know, kids at the end of the day, you know, young men that are just looking to, uh, looking to find that right spot for them and, and, you know, help in a lot of cases help provide for their families, uh, you know, down the road. So, um, I didn't want to say any of that specifically for, for Nico or anything, but just in general, I feel like that's a reminder that I want to put out there that we can't, we can't be bashing kids for, for making decisions that they think is in their best interest. But with all of that said, the question now becomes Dylan, who's next for Oregon at quarterback. And I believe it is Pittsburgh quarterback, Jaden Rashada. He's been a major priority for the ducks. Even before Nico's commitment, he was on campus uh, earlier this year and that visit went really, really well from from what he told me after I talked to him. And it seems like it's going to help Oregon to hopefully get this quarterback thing squared away. We know how important it is to, to get a quarterback early in the recruiting cycle, uh, as I wanted to talk about with Nico. But we'll obviously see here, now that he's in the fold, what kind of talent is he going to be able to attract to Tennessee? And the same thing will happen for Oregon. We saw it when Ty Thompson committed last cycle, how that was kind of a domino effect. It had a domino effect that, that more guys were – or rolling in after him. You know, you have Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton, Isaiah Brevard. So once the Ducks can get that quarterback in place, I think it'll really, you know, help them catch fire on the recruiting trail. The spring game is about a month away. We know that's the marquee recruiting event for them this year. So, uh, yeah, let's kind of dig into Jaden Rashada and, and kind of what we think about him and what his what he means for the Ducks if, if they are, you know, able to really go full steam ahead and, and uh, wrap that one up. Yeah, I think we talked about Rashada before and we were watching some highlights of him and that dude's crazy talented. He's got a cannon of an arm, really good touch. And I think that's a rare combination for for a guy in high school with, you know, such a powerful arm, but yet such um, accuracy and touch on on his delivery. Um, It's really quick release. Also, another thing you don't often find with with guys at the high school level. And so. My thing with with where Rashad is at with his recruitment is BYU. We talked about it a little bit before we hopped on here. One of his brothers, uh, Roman Rashada, committed to to BYU. He has a JUCO brother who's a linebacker. I think he took a visit with him recently as well to BYU. Um, and then you know Miami is another one that just offered him. Um, I, I, but I think Oregon's in a really good spot with him having that visit back then in January. But crazy talented dude. I think he's a guy that should be priority number one for Oregon if they're to get a, a, an elite quarterback. And I think he is elite. I think that's a that's a definitely a term that you can use to describe him. But it's going to be interesting to see if they were to land him, what what it would look like for the quarterback room because Bo Nix has a couple years of eligibility. You still have Ty Thompson and and Jay Butterfield on the roster that they really haven't gotten their feet wet just yet as of as of before the spring, um, you know, just getting into spring. And so what, what's the, what's their pitch going to be to a guy like Rashada? Like we still have a couple young guys that maybe are the face of this program at some point, um, the transfer portal, you know, who knows if they're going to keep rolling through these rentals really. Um, let's be, let's be honest with what it is. So what's their pitch? Because, you know, they haven't really been able to develop a guy since Justin Herbert, um, so I, I, but I think if they were to get a guy like Rashada, that would be um, 
you know, that would give me a lot of confidence in some of the talent that they would be able to acquire after that. Um, like you said, with Ty Thompson, and I think we could even say that with Tanner Bailey, it felt like some of the some of the guys were really excited to potentially play with Tanner Bailey as well in last year's cycle. And Tanner Bailey was a Southeast guy, right? So mm-hmm. you have those guys that are going to make it easier for you to recruit certain areas. And for for Jaden, with him being a Northern California guy, there's a couple other Northern California prospects that are still on Oregon's radar in 2023. You look at Jurion Dickey out of Valley mm-hmm. Christian High School, the East Palo Alto native. I think the Ducks are in a phenomenal spot with him. Uh, I'm super confident that that uh, they're going to be able to to probably end up grabbing him in the 2023 class. I don't want to make an official prediction on here, but I think they're in an awesome spot with him. So you got to figure that's only going to help their pitch to Rashad. It's like, hey, you know, maybe we'll if we can get you on board, then we can have some other some other guys from you know back home come join you in Eugene. And then you also have to think about his teammate, wide receiver Rashid Williams. Uh, I had another update on him. Uh, not too long ago on Ducks Digest, so go read that one. And then also Junior Adams, he's from Fremont, California, so he's another Bay Area guy that is on the staff that is hopefully going to be a figure in this recruitment. But it's really going to come down to Kenny Dillingham because he is the one who has been the lead recruiter for Oregon so far in, in this battle, and he's the new OC. He's a quarterback's coach, really young guy, but you got to think another thing that helps Oregon in, in the recruiting game is the fact that he's young and he's relatable. That's something I've heard about multiple guys, not just Dillingham, since the new staff has been put in place. And when Rashada was on his visit to Oregon recently, he got to sit down and get on the chalkboard with with Kenny Dillingham and, and just talk X's and O's. And that was something that he told me really stood out to him about the trip that he really enjoyed. Because for Oregon, we were kind of talking about it earlier with college football, but you're never going to have to worry about, you know, are, are the facilities going to impress these recruits? You know, Jaden Wayne sent me a picture of him in the sleeping pods when he was on campus last weekend. So you know that that's always going to be there, but that's not going to be the selling point, I don't think, for a lot of these guys. They're going to be looking at the relationships that they have with the guys on staff, who are they going to be spending the most time with, and then can they get to the league? And it really helps Oregon, I think, even though the development necessarily wasn't the most routine or the best. Basically, we know Justin Herbert was underutilized, but it sure, certainly helps the Ducks if they're looking at an elite-level quarterback like Rashad to be like, hey, you see that number 10 playing for the Chargers? Yeah, he went here. You want to be the next NFL guy? You should come here too. Even though it's a new staff, I think that's still only going to help their chances. But as far as some of these other contenders go, Dylan, let's let's kind of peel back the layers a little bit and, and, and talk about them and kind of what we see uh, as far as those situations. I think BYU is really interesting because Oregon plays them next year. There's that. And then there's the family connection with his brother Roman committing. So we know how much that can move a needle in a recruitment. BYU is going to the Big 12 as soon as 2023, I believe, is, is what it's looking like. Um, so that's obviously going to add some some intrigue to that recruitment. With Kalani Sataki getting an extension, you can definitely sell stability there. Uh, not that you can't at Oregon because I think, you know, a lot of people think that it looks like Lanning can be here for the long term with him just getting started. So you're not worried about him being on the move here anytime soon. And Miami, let's talk about Miami a little bit because Mario Cristobal was recruiting Rashada when he was at Oregon. So they already have a previous relationship. You know that with him and Mirabal on staff and Coral Gables, you're going to have a good offensive line to protect you. Just making the case here, I'm not trying to hype up Miami. I think some people kind of got upset when we were talking about some other schools in a previous podcast, and it's like we're talking about the Ducks. It's a Ducks podcast, but 
there's other schools in the mix for these recruits. So that's what I wanted to say about the offensive line. And then if they can just keep, I don't know, like two or three more guys at the skill position local each year, you know that they're going to get some South Florida ballers. And and I think that makes, that's probably what makes it appealing to a degree for, for Rashada in Miami. Well, if Miami can get a guy from the, you know, Northern California, that would send a message to those PAC 12 schools too, because a lot of who was in Rashada's top 10 was a lot of PAC 12 schools, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, ASU, UCLA, Oregon state. Like that was a lot of his top schools and a lot of who he's been visiting. I think one of the other guys you have to mention with Miami is Josh Gaddis, the new offensive coordinator got hired from Michigan. They had a phenomenal year. Um, I think when you when you're a quarterback, I don't know if you really look at Michigan and say, you know, that's a place I want to go just because their passing game was um, kind of limited. They're a really run heavy team. So um, but, you know, you look at what Tyler Van Dyke's going to do at Miami. That should be promising for any quarterback, given what he did last year. But moving on from Miami, I I really like where Oregon would be at with Rashada, just given um, we've talked about the stability that it looks like Oregon's going to have. And then you talk about Kenny Dillingham on Twitter, literally as we speak, retweeting everything that has to do with Rashada to Oregon that he has been for the last, I think, week or so that I've been seeing it. He's blasting my Twitter with with stuff about Rashada. Um, it's like, is this, this feels like some sort of something you'd get fined for in the NBA for tampering. Um, but it's really cool that, you know, he's super excited about Rashada being a prospect for Oregon. And I think if they're able to land him and land him early, it could do dividends for, for the 2023 class. Yeah, just to touch on what you mentioned with Dillingham on Twitter, he talked kind of about, not that specifically, but just his approach uh, for social media on that coaching day, the National Signing Day coaches show, just saying, you know, I I can't necessarily talk about specific recruits when it comes to the recruiting process, but I can just drum up that excitement and, uh, you know, get that excitement around the Oregon program. And, And right now there is a tangible amount of excitement, especially after Nico committed to Tennessee around Oregon and Jaden Rashada. So I think, you know, fans see that they get excited about the possibility of Rashada being a duck. You think, you know, if you, with him being a West Coast guy, Oregon's got to be a, you know, a premier destination. A lot of these guys grow up rooting for Oregon and have some kind of childhood connection there. They, they watched Marcus. They more recently watched Herbert. So, yeah, Oregon's definitely got a great shot here. And, and I think that if they can get him on campus soon here in the near future, I think that's going to only work wonders for them because, you want to get a guy on campus as many times as you can, but fortunately for the Ducks, geography is on their side here, and that's something that just doesn't always happen, especially when you're a team that recruits nationally because you need to. Certainly the West Coast is, is loaded with talent, but we all know that the the title contenders every year, they, they get guys from all over the country. So I think it would be good for Oregon to finally get a West Coast quarterback to stay out West. And, and play for the Pac-12 and represent one of the premier brands in the Pac-12. And I know a lot of fans are probably on the other side saying, we already have a West Coast quarter, like a West Coast quarterback with Ty. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I want to see Ty get a shot as well. But we got to see what happens in that quarterback battle. Uh, Rashad, I did tell me that he wants to kind of get the official visit process rolling and make his decision after he takes those trips. And he knows how important it is for uh, these schools to get a quarterback in the fold somewhat early just because they are so often serve as the centerpiece of a recruiting class and then they're going to be able to recruit other guys to come join them Kenny Dillingham will be able to more easily you know sell the offensive pitch 
to these other guys. You know, you want to be catching passes from Rashada. You want to be taking handoffs from Rashada. He's a name that pretty much everybody knows uh, right now in the recruiting process. And I, I got a couple comments here before we hop out, Dylan. I know you got to go here in just a second, but question from Andrew is Jaden Rashada a dual threat or pro style. Nico was listed as pro style, which doesn't seem to fit the normal Oregon offense. Yeah. For Rashada, I think he really can do a little bit of everything. He's uh, I believe he's around six, four, 185 pounds and, and he can run it when he needs to. And he's really good at improvising. I think that's one thing that really stands out to me about his game. I wish that my Google Chrome preferences weren't messed up right now and I could show some highlights. So that's on me guys. I'm sorry about that, but he can do a little bit of everything. I think even though he is a little bit more of a slider frame, there's definitely a room for him to put on some muscle and he can run when he needs to, but he kind of does strike me as a little bit more of a stand-up pro style passer. And, and that's kind of what, what Kenny Dillingham has said that Oregon offense is going to be looking like. He was talking about getting people excited with the, a lot of people got excited with the whole 80 plays a game thing. We'll see if that's actually attainable, but he was saying he wanted to kind of have a pro style offense. And that's why I'm so excited to get out the spring ball. I know that we're not going to, we're probably not going to see anything that's really tipping their hand as far as what the offense looks like, but just to see these quarterbacks, some of these other offensive guys and just the whole team overall, because I was out of town. But I think when you look at the pro style that Kenny Dillingham is talking to us about and getting people excited for, I think that, uh, I think that Rashada could, could definitely fit that. Yeah. I think the pro style would fit Rashada just because he is a guy that like Bo Nix, like we've talked about, he's a guy that can run and will be mobile if he has to. But he's a guy that one thing I really was really impressed with was with Rashada was that he was able to really stand in the pocket and just kind of stay focused down the field and find his guys and go through his progressions and um, really just kind of absorb pressure and be able to step up into the pocket and, you know, just have that pocket awareness. So I think, you know, I think he's a guy that, yeah, he's not probably the Anthony Brown level of, um, you know, athleticism where you can really design runs for him. Um, and trick defenses like that. I think he's a guy that um, is quick, is mobile, and, you know, like Bo Nix, like we've talked about so much, he's a guy that can fit whatever kind of offense that you want. Um, you know, with his arm, I think no matter what, he, his arm is going to win him some ball games. All right, last thing we want to talk about here, um, just before we get out of here, was one other name to watch on the recruiting trail for Oregon now that uh, Nico Iamaliava is going to Tennessee. And that is Zachary Louisiana quarterback Eli Holstein. He just backed off his commitment. That was almost nine months to Texas A&M after he got an offer from the Ducks. Uh, we also have Alabama hopping on board now too, which is interesting as, as they're kind of waiting to see where things probably stand with Arch Manning, as are some of these really top profile programs. Arch Manning was just recently in Athens for a visit to Georgia. So that's something to keep note of. But Eli Holstein is another name to watch. I, I haven't really been able to dig into him as much as I want to as far as his film and you know his backstory and what else is going on there. But with him recently offering, with the Ducks recently offering him and then him reopening the recruitment, uh, you figure that that offer probably gave him something to think about. Yeah, to answer the previous question, I think Holstein is more of a pro-style, um, you know, true pro-style offensive quarterback. Um, you know, that kind of system I think would fit him best. Just to compare it to probably what Oregon fans know best, I think you can compare Holstein to like a shorter Jay Butterfield with really good ball placement, can move if he has to, but is not one of those guys whose athleticism will will blow up and you know really shock you. Um, but I think he's a, a really solid build, six three and a half, two twenty six, um, good arm. Um, I'd probably say Rashada has has an edge on him in terms of arm strength. 
Um, but I think you really like the that Holstein was there when that Texas A&M class, um, you know, I mean, Texas A&M, you got to know that they're, they probably saw something in him because their recruiters are some of the best in the country. Um, if not the best in the country, look at what they did in 2022. So Holstein is a guy the the distance is not on their side. Louisiana is, that's pretty far. That would be pretty tough with all the SEC schools right there and Alabama jumping on board. Um, you know, maybe this is more of an uphill battle for them for Oregon. Um, but I definitely think that this is another option if, um, you know, if Rashad doesn't work out. So, yeah, there you have it. You have some names to keep an eye on. Just by the way that it looks like Oregon has kind of approached this, it really seemed like it was Nico and Jaden as the the two top options. So just kind of makes sense for them to go full steam ahead with Rashada. But like we talked about, there's still some, some competition and, and other schools in the mix here. So we got to keep an eye on where he ends up visiting and what ends up happening there as far as recruiting developments. But um, as far as other places that people can can connect with us, Dylan, you know how we usually do it, how we wrap it up here. Where can people find more of you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DRK Sports News. Uh, one thing I want to plug that I didn't get a chance to last time we were on the pod was I recently did an interview with the GOAT, Sabrina Ionescu, about her uh, basketball camp in Eugene at the Kids Sports Facility. It's my pinned tweet, so... Go show that some love. That's one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to do in my my journalism career. Um, and then you can also find some of my work on Ducks Digest on the website. And I do work with the transfer portal at T Portal CFB on Twitter. Right on. Yeah, I got to give give some love to that uh, Sabrina story. That was awesome, Dylan. I know how long you've been trying to get that interview. So really happy that with how it turned out and that you were able to, to finally sit down with her. But if you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at mtaurussports. You can follow the Ducks Dish podcast on Twitter at Ducks Dish. If you have a question for us that you'd like us to tackle, you can email your question to us. Our email is ducksdishpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, just got to ask for you guys to do us a favor, share the podcast, like the video, definitely smash the like button and leave us a comment and subscribe to the channel as we continue to grow our coverage of the Oregon Ducks. Got tons of football and recruiting updates mainly recruiting right now as we wait for football to get back underway here in the spring. But that's all we have for this one, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting. Hope you guys have an awesome week and an awesome Monday to start things off. And we will catch you guys in the next episode. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.